0: Welcome to Hub City Omers episode 14. We are back after yet another disastrous performance by the Tech football squad under Matt Wells. Normally for these weekly episodes we spend most of our time recapping the game and then maybe if there's time really we'll preview the opponent. Sometimes we're better about than others. This is going to be like the non-conference games. I don't care about Kansas and neither does anybody else out there. So we are not going to be talking about the Kansas Jayhawks. We're going to focus everything inward on tech football and recapping TCU. There are a lot of people who are asking about basketball. I understand why we're looking for some positive news instead of the same depressing nonsense. Don't worry during the bye week we will be recording our big 12 basketball primer. We'll be talking tech the entire conference and maybe a little bit of the landscape as a whole. So keep your ears peeled for that in a couple of weeks after Oklahoma, when we're in that bye week that's when we're going to start our basketball talk. We're still in football season though. We still, technically speaking, have games ahead of us that we're going to have to watch. And we're going to get into it. Now, I want to kind of, we'll, we'll be jumping around a lot this episode between expectations for the rest of the year, health of the program, actually recapping TCU. I mean, it, it's going to be a bit all over the board. And the reason why is all this stuff is kind of playing into each other at this point. The same systemic problems keep showing up, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know where I'm going with this. So we're going to be jumping back and forth. And one of the first questions is both part of recapping TCU and just discussing what do you do now as a program? And the first question I'm going to pose to Jack here is, um, perhaps a leading question, but I don't really care because I think we're all at this point. So our first question of the night, Jack, how the hell does Keith Patterson still have a job and slash, or how is he still the defensive play caller? Uh, you know, that's a great question. <sighs>
1: I, uh, I posed a question in our work chat and I think you were the one that responded to it actually when I said, you know, I'm, I'm kind or I didn't, I don't think it was a question. I, I said, I'm kind of surprised we haven't heard anything from the athletic department. And I believe it was you that said, this is also the same program that kept David Yost after running like seven straight screen passes for each game for two straight years. So I think they're very uh, hesitant to fire coordinators during the season, I kind of agree with that sentiment. I just don't think it can really, it does more harm than good most of the time. Uh, The main problems you saw against TCU were, was the scheme. The scheme was horrible. Uh, You knew that Max Duggan wasn't going to beat you with his arm. So what do you do? You force him to run. And what do we do? The first play of the game, we trot out there on defense. And there are only, uh, there are only five guys in the box. And I I was just like, wow, that's really weird that as I was watching it, I was like, wow, that's really weird that we only would put five people in the box. sure enough, you know, they scored pretty instantly. Uh, The scheme was terrible. The, it was just all around terrible. And again, we see this thing that we thought was an anomaly in Austin. It was refusal to change. I think that I saw a four-person blitz maybe, you know, five to six times. Uh, But most of the time, we were dropping at least six guys in coverage. For what? Duggan only attempted 10 passes in the game. I don't understand why you can't see what's happening and adjust on the fly. This is... Is no longer an anomaly. Unfortunately, this is becoming a typical week in, week out thing. When we play a team that has decent run game, we are giving up close to four hundred yards in these games. We let their backup come in and rush 12 times for 185 yards. That's 15.4 yards per carry and three touchdowns. He only had 120 yards on the season coming into this game. So, again, I don't know. Something needs to change. It's stagnant. And, like I said, I'm not one for firing coordinators during the season. I've really never agreed with it. But, you know... Whatever is going on isn't working, and it's pretty clear.
0: So, for me, I don't believe in firing head coaches because you're not going to change anything with regards to the stuff head coaches touch by firing somebody and replacing them with somebody the head coach hired. Because at the end of the day, most of what we blame on head coaches is the fault of their hires. You know, uh, at the college level, unlike the NFL, because of the NFL, you're a true CEO, you know, your job is to evaluate, develop talent and build your roster. And then depending on if you're an offensive guru or a defensive guru, you'll kind of step in and micromanage like that aspect of the game. At the college ranks, coaches are far more about, um, building culture and they're far more about building, uh, and recruiting, um, and especially guys like Matt Wells, who are not offensive or defensive gurus, they don't really have any hand in the play calling. Um, they might they make decisions during the game, they manage games, but their biggest responsibility is culture and recruiting. You're not going to fix that by firing these guys. However, the guys underneath them, you could absolutely change everything by axing a coordinator. You know that that has been demonstrated to work in certain circumstances. Long term returns, I, I'm not an expert on all of you know, the fired coordinators replaced by their underlings. But here's the biggest thing that firing a coordinator does because you're firing a coordinator because you don't like some aspect of how he called the game. Um, for instance, if you got an offensive coordinator, like what should have happened last year with David Yost, who's calling screens all the time, and you want him to attack down the field, you fire him and you make it clear to the guy taking over, the directive is to attack long. You know, you need to attack down the field. That, you know, if it doesn't work, that's on the head coach then. But that's the point of that. With the defensive side of the ball, firing Keith Patterson is the only way to fix this. Look, because here's the thing. Keith Patterson to me was always the coach who made adjustments in game. But the reason why he made so many adjustments in game is because his base scheme has never worked. It's never worked. I don't know what the point of the 335 is now. Because he what the 335 was designed to do was to help fight the spread passing game. Uh uh by instead of putting a defensive lineman out there, you're going to bring back in another speedier linebacker and you're going to try to control uh, or you're going to try to spread out your defense just a bit more. It allows you to get cover more space with more athletic players. Here's the flip side of that. Linebackers can't cover the receivers in the Big 12. There's too much talent. So when linebackers are getting matched up with these guys, they're not covering them. The other thing is the point of it is, is well, you're always bringing guys back into coverage. You're usually going to be dropping seven guys. That that's normal for the three three five. In Tech's case, we drop eight. I'm willing to bet at least seventy to eighty percent of the time. So again, the idea is to cover, but we're seeing our defensive backs just having people run behind them because quarterbacks are looking for their men to run open. Our defensive line's terrible. Um, anecdotally, we had a guy message the Viva the Matadors account talking about Keith Patterson explaining his defense to him when he was a, a when this gentleman was a high school coach, and he said that the year. We installed that defense. He said, we were horrible every single year we ran that defense, except for the year when we had the best defensive line I've ever coached in my entire life. Because you have to be able to generate organic pressure with three. And here's the worst part about all of this. Because, you know, at least Keith Patterson had always been the guy who, okay, my base scheme is crap, so let's adjust. Now we're seeing a guy who I think is trying to prove a concept out. He's, he's so gun-shy about his secondary being burned all the time that now he's he's trying to prove that this this look can work to stop the pass and what he's missing is that the trend in the big 12 is there are you know five or six truly elite running backs and only a couple teams have bad running backs so everybody's gone to a run first option with the exception of really Oklahoma Oklahoma's the last man standing in tech of the of the the pass first attack Texas has gone away from it. TCU's gone away from it. Kansas State's still not doing it. Uh, Baylor's gotten away from it. Oklahoma State can't do it. Um, Kansas isn't worth talking about. Uh, West Virginia has Letty Brown and a terrible quarterback. They have no offense. So, you know, Keith Patterson's just refusing to recognize what's happening in the conference. Because the scheme was always bad, and now it just seems like he's sticking it to everybody by staying in it. I mean, it just... For those wondering how how is what's going wrong with the three three five, why why do I think firing him and bringing somebody in who's going to accept that and load the box would be better? Here's my, my disclaimer: you load up the box, you will give up three hundred and fifty to four hundred passing yards a game. That's a guarantee. You 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 have nothing in the secondary that tells me these guys can cover. Alternatively, though. The, the, the most successful pass defense plays Tech has had all year, almost without without fail, have been plays in which a guy has gotten home, rushed the quarterback, put pressure in his face, forced him out of the pocket, or brought him down. Those have been the, basically the only times we could pass defend. So I will contend to you that despite the fact that you're going to give up more passing yards, you will give up less passing yards and you will give up less total offense and points than you currently are just letting teams run for 350. So here here's... Where I'm at and with the three three five. Why it's not working. So if you want to run three down linemen and you want to bring all these linebackers up, at any given time, there's really about four guys on the defense who can make a play in this alignment within, you know, three to four yards of the ball. What we would consider a successful stop of the run. You got your nose tackle, you have your defensive end, and the two linebackers shaded to that side. The safeties are playing off. You know, these guys are playing off coverage, or we have usually have one high safety, two high safety. So those guys aren't really in the picture. The third linebacker could maybe get there, but he's probably getting there late. And any safety anywhere near the ball, for Texas instance, is in coverage first, so he's going to be delayed. The offensive line, alternatively, is blocking those guys heads up, except for one guy who's supposed to be free to make the tackle. Here is the freaking problem. Because Keith Patterson refuses to slant or move his guys around. What offensive lines are basically doing is they're just zone blocking it. You know, the, the, they're sliding over to pick up the nose. Center's releasing to get linebacker. Guards throwing a hand to the end and going up. That means your linebackers are being blocked by defensive linemen. That is the worst case scenario. Because your defensive line sucks, guys. They're not very good. They 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 Their best moments are in occasionally one of them will bully through for a sack, but they're pretty bad. They get pushed back. So the linebackers are getting blocked up. These guys can't, your defensive linemen aren't winning these one-on-one matchups. You're not slanting them anywhere. They're, you're just base accepting that they're going to get blocked. So nobody within four to five yards of the ball can make the play, and that's why you're giving up A to carry. You're schematically disadvantaged. And then he's not even trying to protect the scheme. He's not running any stunts or twists. Uh, it, it's just this is why I can't believe that we're paying a guy six figures to do worse than anybody off the street could. I could walk out there right now with no knowledge of how to run a defense and say, "All right, we're gonna walk seven guys, eight guys in the box every snap." I'll give up what I give up over the back end. I guarantee you that would have been more successful against DC than anything. I talked for a while, so I'm gonna shift it back to Jack. It's just the two of us tonight. Kendall, we will be to- adding a blurb, and he's having some Wi-Fi issues again. So, Jack, I'm going to pass a second question on to you related to defense. I think we're going to spend a lot of time talking about these cats. Tech has not gotten better under Matt Wells. I think most people would agree that at best he's held serve at the end of the Kingsbury era. But the bright spot had always kind of been that there seemed to be some improvement year-to-year defensively. Does it make it all the worse for Matt Wells's case, that the only, you know, the bright spot, the thing that we were all kind of hoping for to, to continue to hold serve, has now fallen off the wheels. Does that make it more likely that he'll be fired now that it's the defense's turn to fail?
1: I think, to answer the question bluntly, yes. <clears throat> uh, I think that it's more likely that that happens, and I think that... Just to be quite honest, I don't see another win after Kansas on this schedule for this team. I just really don't. So if you beat Kansas, if, again, that's if you beat Kansas and you lose out after that, that's five and seven. Um, No bowl. And... I don't know about you personally, but I've gotten to the point where I'm almost kind of dread waking up on Saturday for, to cover these tech games there. It's just one of these things where it used to be fun. And, uh, you know, I used to look forward to it. You to look forward to, a, you know, a competitive game at least. Well, now that's not there really. Uh, if you go through the next couple games, I mean, after Kansas, obviously, uh, you have OU who can run it down your throat. Um, in, in in no particular order, I don't have the schedule up in front of me right now, but um, you know, you have OU who can run it down your throat. You have Kansas State who can run it down your throat. You have um, you have Iowa State who has Brees Hall. Uh, you have Oklahoma State, who I still think is one of the more overrated teams in the country. Uh, and then you're at Baylor, who's looked surprisingly good this year. Um, so, you know, I just, <laughs> to be quite honest, I don't see a win in after Kansas. I don't. Um, Deuce Vaughn is going to have a field day in Lubbock to, if nothing changes. And uh Kennedy Brooks for OU is gonna run all over. Brees Hall again is gonna have a hell of a day. Shit, even at this rate, you know, Spencer Sanders might even have a career day against this, which uh, you know, that's embarrassing to say the least. But I think that this team, you know, celebrate I think their problem is they kind of celebrate the wins a little too much. Yeah, you know, like, oh, we're going to celebrate the win while we can, whatever. But the win that was celebrated before Texas was FIU. It was the first game that you kind of really won like you were supposed to. Well, then you give up 70. Well, then you go to West Virginia, and you you win a game that not a lot of people thought you would win after that Texas game. So, yeah, you're going to celebrate. Well, then you give up 52 to TCU and 400 yards on the ground at home. I, I don't know what it takes for this team to get going in the first half. It happened against West Virginia. And so we'll see what happens against Kansas. Um, I The main thing that it comes back to me and a main point that I would make in the argument to move, to simply move on and get someone else in here Tech hasn't gotten up for five of the six games this year. They haven't come out in the first quarter and done anything in five of the six games this year. And for cool, for some reason, you can beat Neil Brown in West Virginia. I mean, cool, big deal. But in the other five games, you haven't done anything in the first half. And to be quite honest, in that West Virginia game, you didn't do anything in the second half. So... Again, this team through six games hasn't put a full game together yet. And it's very worrisome. I think the fact that we're still talking about this six games in, that we're like, oh, you know, this team can't start. They have slow starts, or oh, this team can't put a full game together. Well, we're halfway through. You're running out of time. You're running out of time to make a difference in this league. And, you know, this is also the I don't even want to look at next year's roster because it's going to be terrible compared to what we have now. It's going to be even worse. You think this year's bad? Next year is going to be ten times worse. But this is also a year where you know for the first time, Oklahoma besides last week, Oklahoma is looking a little shaky. You know, Texas isn't really that good. They're not seventy points good. Uh, Baylor is up there. I mean, okay. Uh, Iowa State's one and one and three and two. Uh, TCU's kind of middle of the road Kansas State lost Skylar Thompson for an extended period of time you know so it's not like these games are all just like instant losses like we kind of thought they would be at the beginning of the year these are winnable games but not the way they're playing right
0: now with Matt Wells looking at you know the or, or should I say looking at the, the Matt Wells era, what I'm constantly thinking about is just what a waste. What 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 a, what an unbelievable waste. I think he was fortunate. I think as much as people didn't like Kingsbury, um he here and I'm I'm not saying Kingsbury shouldn't have been fired I thought last season. he ran out of time. You know, you don't get to keep throwing you know, bad teams out there and, and getting more years. You know, he he had his best team. Bowman gets hurt. The season falls apart. It just, it's the consequence of all of his other teams being either mediocre or bad. He finally got one and he couldn't do anything to it with circumstance. But what that means to me is, is there are a lot of guys that uh, Matt Wells just inherited in that first year. He inherited, I think, a pretty okay team. He couldn't do anything with it. You know, Yost completely wasted the offense. So he fires Yost. And he brings in all of these transfers, all these studded guys, at the expense, by the way, of bringing in anybody from the high school ranks. Because what Jack is basically pointing out here is, is um, you know, next year's team is going to be really bad. And I'm not saying that Matt Wells' recruiting strategy is flawed. I think it's the future of football that you're going to keep bringing these guys from other teams, these transfer guys into stock up programs who can't compete with the top level guys nationally like tech can. You know, tech is a 45th at best recruiting type of school. You want to get to the point where you're better, you got to go get guys who, you know, are better than the the quality of high school player you're going to be able to get and develop. But the problem is, is that when you do that and the strategy fails, because guys, I'm with Jack here, you will beat Kansas this weekend. I'm fairly confident. Not as confident as I was, but I am fairly confident. I think Tech loses out. You're going to be five and seven. If Matt Wells is brought back for next year, he's got, he's one, everybody knows that now for sure it's his last season if he doesn't win. Two, he proved that he can't develop these transfers. Three, he couldn't win with them even if they were the best in the world. So tech is in trouble as a program and it it all boils down to to me just it all boils down to, to me that the guys Matt Wells hired with his first staff have failed him tremendously. The guys he's brought in now, Sonny cumby, aren't that special and i I get left of the simple sense of of. What's the point of paying a guy 2 million dollars if he can't hire the right staff, he can't manage games? Let's talk about for a minute. Cuz the point of this question was to talk about the defense, but I'll I'll since I'm sidetracked anyways, I'll say this. He kicked a field goal down three scores to keep the game a three-score game. I I can't I mean, and then during what what Uh, after Texas, I mean, this is just all, it's all he doesn't know what he's doing kind of crap. Because after Texas, people were beating on him about that, going for it early, way early in the game on fourth down in your own territory. Now he's gun shy the other way. He just, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's completely over his head. And now circling back to the question, the only thing he could say was like, hey, the defense is a little bit better. Give me time. You know, will sort out the offense. It's now abundantly apparent that Keith Patterson will have to be fired this season. This defense is not going to get better if we stay in the 3-3-5 and do this bullshit drop-8 crap. We blitzed Duggan one time that I remember, and a bad result happened. And by blitz, I mean they brought four guys. Tech still dropped seven, and here's the damning thing to me. That was one of the few times he brings pressure in this game. Duggan scrambles for 30 yards because despite dropping seven, we couldn't keep contained. Because there was nobody spying him. We had seven guys in coverage and forgot the quarterback who can't throw can run. It, it, it I think Matt Wells is done. I'm basically sure of that. You know, I'm going to be rooting for Tech every week. Like Jack said, I am dreading game days now. I'm still going to be rooting for Tech. You're still going to see me tweeting. I'm still rooting for the best. And if Matt Wells turns around and wins out, awesome. I'll take 10-2. Hell, I'll take 9-8-7. I will take 10 and 2 hell I'll take nine, eight, seven. i will take 987 i do not care who the head coach is. If you win, I'll have fun. But we're not going to win with this. This meant way. And this is the way Matt Wells is bringing. I don't think it changes. He's not going to change if he hasn't in two and a half years. Keith Patterson's not going to change at the two and a half year mark. Sonny Cumbie, unfortunately, is not going to get time to prove concept. I don't think the offense has that many problems. We'll get to it. But he's not going to change. And I want to take one aside, and I'm gonna punt this back to Jack because I want to talk about the the most damning thing to me from the from of this whole thing. Um I I've had TCU fans try to crow at me about Max Duggan. Everybody knows I'm a Max Duggan hater. Part of it's a bit, guys. Nobody hates a college player this much for real. Well, I guess some people do, but I don't. I think it's funny because TCU fans are so loyal to him. But um, I m- tweeted about Colombian Duggan, who, by the way, those stat lines were basically identical. That was kind of the joke. Um, um, Duggan, for reference, is a sixty percent career passer. TCU has not won many games with him, and they won't win many more this year. They're bad. If anybody thinks TCU is going to turn around, if you didn't see that defense and you didn't, and you think that they're they're going to be able to win many games, you're mistaken. But point that aside. I had people trying to crow at me about Duggan. I still do. And but it's nowhere near what it's been in years past when this has happened. And the reason why is pretty simple because it didn't matter that he was in the game. It did not matter. I said it over and over and over again on the podcast, on Twitter, everywhere. The key to this game was to force Max Duggan to throw. If I was going to eat shit, it was going to be because Max Duggan threw for 400 yards against tech. That's what I wanted to see. If we were going to lose this game, I wanted it to be because Max Duggan made me look dumb and he threw for 450 yards in this game torch Tech through the air, or alternatively ran for, like, 200. Neither of those things happened, and Tech still gave up 45 points. This this is Matt Wells' football. It's not fun. They don't do the easy things well. You had a totally one-dimensional offense in front of you and could not scheme around it. Your offense, which, by the way, I don't have a lot of problems with, still looked scared, out of sorts. I, I just... Nothing's working, so it, it's time. That I think Matt Wells is done. And it just it's not getting better. And I'm gonna we're gonna pivot now to the offense because and uh, we've been talking about the defense and we've talked some about Matt Wells. Like I said, we're gonna be jumping all over the board tonight. But um, Jack, offensively, I, I like I, I, I said this in this previous segment. I'm not that concerned about all the offense, but I just asked this question on Twitter. I'm very curious about people's thoughts on this. But are you concerned about Tech's offense under? Sennie Cumbie with Henry Columbia as the quarterback. Uh, I'm <clears throat> yes
1: and no. I think when you have a backup come in and, or cause let's face it. I mean, Columbia's a backup. Uh, you know, he threw for 344 yards. That's not terrible at all. Uh, Sir Roderick Thompson ran for 118 yards. Tech out gained TCU by over a hundred yards in this game. I'm or right around a hundred. Uh, yeah. Right around hundred yards. And my I have a cut I don't overall as a unit I'm not that concerned. Um I think they need to manage the red zone a little better. Um I do have an issue recently over the last couple weeks with the use of Eric Izukama um basically being MIA. There are no there's no um you know, there's no urgency to get him the ball. It's just, it's for the life of me, I can't understand. I mean, I'd understand it if it's obvious that you know they're triple teaming him off the line, and you know, and pretty much all they're doing is playing a press coverage on him, and then just giving some over the top help. That's nothing that can't be schemed around, like like we mentioned about the schemes. That's the only thing I really have an issue with. Um, I don't understand why you don't get an all-first-team Big 12 or the ball as much as possible. Uh, I think he touched the ball four times against TCU. That is not enough. I think that, um, I mean, obviously, Strodrick Thompson had a great game. Good for him. He needed it. He had about, I think he had right around 200 total yards um, of offense, and... I just, some of the stuff, some of the play calling in certain situations kind of irks me a little bit. But the one thing that I'll be, I'll always be okay with that just because, you know, at least it's not third and eight and we're running a f- damn screen pass after running two screen passes prior. I just, I'll never forget watching that happen in a game and being like, what the hell is happening here? But overall, the offensive unit isn't that bad. Um, I just, it's going to be one of those seasons, like, what if? I feel like we've had a lot of those recently. I can't remember. I, I was the last quarterback that started and played a full season at Texas Tech. Was it Patrick Mahomes? Because I think it was Patrick Mahomes was the last yeah. It, was, it, the, it was. Yeah, was the last quarterback to start game one and play the whole season. So, you got to, if you're a Red Raider fan, you haven't seen a starting quarterback play a full seat that started game one, play the full season in almost five years, six years, five years. So, I mean, we are going through a stretch of bad luck with the quarterback injuries. Um, Columbia is all Columbia is a damn good backup. Probably one of the better ones in the country, to be honest. I really don't know a backup that could come in and do what he's doing other than the dude from OU that came in this past week. Uh, just a side note on that, I think Spencer Rattler's done at OU. I don't think he plays another snap at OU, or if they were smart, they wouldn't let him and just let him transfer. But on back to Tech, I, I just think that, like I said, I've mentioned it in an episode earlier this season. Uh, Columbia has the utmost respect for me. Cause he stayed again after losing the offensive coordinator that he's had for like the last three years and being a backup again. And here he is, you know, balling out uh, the way that he knows how. So uh, Henry Columbia has my utmost respect. Um, Kalen Geiger is, has been nails recently with azukama's you know, output dropping off the map. Kalen Geiger's picked up and stepped right in his spot. Um, I just think that, like I said, Koontz has been kind of MIA the past couple weeks. Um, Tharp only had two catches, and I, they were on the same drive. Uh, so I I still really think that the key to this offense that Cumbie's going to run is getting those tight ends involved because it kind of opens up the deeper ball with those mid, uh, you know, those... Five to ten yard outs or uh, five to ten yard slants from the tight end position. I think that really opens up the deep ball in his offense. Um, also, a running back that has meaningful progress. And like I said, Siraj Thompson ran for 118 yards this past game. So there's your running back. I think that in the TCU game, the the play action was really not utilized as well as it could have been. Um, I think that. So there, there are times when Tech tries to get too cute with the ball, and it is what it is because that's kind of what comes with the territory with Sonny Cumby's offense. But my issue obviously isn't with the offense, and I don't think anyone's issue is. I think you know you, maybe thirty-one is kind of middle of the road. I think Tech averages about thirty-five a game. I'd like to see. You know, personally, as a tech fan, I like to see thirty-eight, possibly uh, forty-two. But um, you know, it is what it is. I'm not going to turn my nose up at thirty-one, but I will turn my nose up that this defense allowed, uh, you know, fifty-two points. I, I just, I can't. This team is. It's. It's almost like they're in a stagnant, standstill against these teams that. You know, are basic, I mean, it's the in state rivals. It's the two in state rivals that come in and just beat the brakes off you. And, and you, th- like I said, we've already mentioned that next year's team is going to be bad because they are. Can you imagine if you're a, a recruit at this game in Lubbock? Hypothetically, you're a recruit at this game in Lubbock and you're being recruited, and your final two teams are TCU and Tech. And you watch that you're sure as hell not going to go to tech. Not in your right mind, you're not. So I don't I don't understand. And then uh, we had someone comment on, uh, I can't remember if it was the Viva account or if it was our uh, podcast account, where he was trying to say that the fans are the ones that are screwing over the recruiting process. And that's just flat out not true. If you can't recruit, it's because you don't have a winning product on the field. The fans have no say. And can you blame the fans for being pissed? I mean, look at what you're... P- I would be absolutely sick to my stomach if I was Dusty Womble right now. If I just wrote a $20 million check to this athletic department for the football team, for them to build a new product, and that is the first thing that comes out in a game the following weekend. I would be sick. I would puke in my suite. If that's what I saw and it's, and it's just, it's systemic and it's, you're fostering a failing, a failing culture at this point. And he's like, Oh, well now it's personal. (laughs) It's personal to the freaking tech fans who spend their time, money. It's hard earned cash to come to these games. A lot of people came back this weekend because it was homecoming and it was a blackout game. It was our highest attendance of the, of the season. It was 92% full. And that's what happened on the field. That's embarrassing. You want to pack the Jones? You want the Jones packed every week? Well, they the fans have done their part. It's time for you to back up your end.
0: Where I am offensively is, I, I would describe it as not worried about it. Because, he, he, you know, what I mean by that is not that I think the offense is incredible or that I think that the offense is, you know, the the Patrick Mahomes offenses, or even, you know, anything close to what Kingsbury was producing. But you're a 35-point-a-game offense. And yes, I understand. A lot of people have complaints. Well, a lot of these points seem to come in garbage time. Because the defense can't stop anybody the games get on a hand as soon as the offense makes a mistake guys if Thompson doesn't fall down and Price catches that ball my guess is is that this is a shootout through the end of the game because TCU couldn't stop anything Tech was doing for large parts of the game by the way I had people try to tell me you know oh the Price ball is high if it hits the receivers square in the hands like that he's got to catch it at the division one level Price dropped it and if nothing else how bad a drop that was it went straight through his hands He's got to catch that. And Thompson's got to stab right. Sir Roger Thompson had a great game, but those two plays took tech out of it. Not because the offense is bad, but because they have no margin for error and they're just not good enough for that. You know, yeah, Sonny Cumbie's going to throw a fade on fourth and 11. He's going to do a trick play and throw a pick. He's going to put Donovan Smith in when Columbia's marching the ball down the field. Columbia's going to be between 60 to 65% completion rate. You're still going to score about 35 points a game. And for most teams, that should win you or put you in games. Because if Tech isn't good enough defensively to compete at the at the highest levels, and your offense isn't good enough with, with Columbia to do that, then okay, I can accept that if you're competitive in these games. that You're just close but not quite there. That would suck this year because, like you said, OU's not looking great. Texas doesn't look great. Nobody looks great. So this was a year for Tech to maybe make a move with a really veteran-heavy heavy team. But maybe you're just not there, and you've got a backup quarterback. Though I will say, it Columbia looks comfortable in, in Cumbie's offense, and I mentioned this, I believe, last week. And it just looks like maybe this offense is better for Columbia's game than Shucks. But um, that aside, you are playing a backup quarterback who is not a starter for a reason. He's thrown better. He still makes a couple decisions that'll make you go hmm, and a couple of his balls that are too high, too low. But you know, I, I go back to this his when people were trying to crow at me about Duggan and Columbia. I mean, it's not like Duggan did anything in this game, but I just been watching them side by side. Duggan's faster than Columbia, and that's honest to God, the biggest difference between the two of them. Columbia also turns the ball over a little bit more often, though the pick this this game was not his fault. But I'm not going to talk too much about Columban and Dougie because Duggan because I'm biased by the discussion I've had with fans on on Twitter that I've had to defend that take not as much as I was I thought because like I said nobody has enough support one way or another after this game to talk too much about the quarterbacks. But um, my point is is that Columbia's fine, the running backs are good, offensive lines played a bit better, receivers have been good. I to your point about Asakama, I think this proves again that the staff is just out of, out of their depth. I think the staff is reading press. Everybody freaked out because Ezekama is the only guy getting targets. So now Cumbie is force-feeding every other receiver to the detriment of a guy nobody can cover. These are one, one, one read passes is what Columbia's throwing. That's why it looks like, this is why is not getting that many looks because these are one-look reads. He's reading, teams are biting to cover Ezekama and he's doing these little RPOs the vast majority of the time. Teams focus too much on as a comma. he can get over the top to guys like Fungi or Geiger. But a better offensive coordinator a better staff could manufacture touches for the best receiver in the Big 12. Um but you know that the adjustment of the RPO games worked. You just you just aren't good enough to cover for the defense. You just aren't good enough to score 50 40 points a game, which is what you have to and now I'm going to get back to some of the things you talked about at the end, which is the comment that the fans are somehow to blame of this or that, you know, th- th- which is nonsensical. I mean, it's it's always nonsense that the fans hurt recruiting. Losing hurts recruiting. Bad facilities hurt recruiting. You know, lack of investment hurts recruiting. Fans not showing up might hurt recruiting, but Tech fans have showed up every game this year. They've also lost most of those meaningful games in the Jones and on the road when they've shig- gone when they've traveled. So Tech fans have showed up. They've lost. Tech fans have brought the noise and they've lost. We, we're talking about it. You know, my boy Dustin just dropped millions to invest more in the facilities that are already as good as what anybody else has in the nation. I mean that wholeheartedly. You know, AT and T Stadium may not be eighty thousand strong, but it's a nice stadium. The football training facility that they're, they're putting in, that they're going to be upgrading, is amazing. The indoor facility is amazing. We have top-of-the-line facilities and fans who are desperate for a winner. We just don't have anything to show them on the field. The Now It's Personal thing makes me laugh constantly because it is personal to Matt Wells because he he's just, you know, he, he knows he's on his last leg. But it's also personal for everybody else because, like you said, we want – we all want a winner. We all love tech and are desperate to see somebody win, and he's not doing it. So, you know what's personal to me is the fact that he hasn't fired Keith Patterson despite having the best linebacker group, maybe in tech football history, and giving up 330 yards on the ground. That's personal to me. What's personal to me is when he had okay defenses, you know, they weren't great, but they weren't god awful. He had the worst, he hired the worst offensive coordinator Tech has seen in years and wasted all those de- defenses. What's personal to me is Matt Wells constantly screwing up every game decision, every in-game decision that comes up. Every time I think he's fixed the fourth down or the field goals, he'll screw it up again. We're still stuck in kicking field goals on second down mode. I mean, we've got, the program has gotten no better. No better than it was three years ago. And I keep say, hearing people say, well, aren't you seeing the progress You know, from the very few Matt Wells supporters left? No, you know no, yeah. I'm not. We're, 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 no, where? Maybe we're arguably a little less penalized, but at the same time, against Texas, defense straight up couldn't get aligned. At the same time, we were giving up special teams, boo-boos, constantly in critical situations to start the season. And now... You know, uh, uh, we may not be penalized or maybe the special team's a bit better. We have a defensive coordinator who can't adjust his scheme and we have players who can't make plays in critical situations. How many times does it feel like we've got a guy dead to rights and they just miss as a defensive line? We had every quarterback this season, it's felt like they've had him dead to rights and something's wrong with their technique and he just slips out to the side. I just we're stuck where we were when we started with him, and th- this is going to bring me to my last question tonight, the and the one I I think we have to evaluate. Can I can I, make, can I make can I make can I make one more point about the fans, real quick?
1: I saw this point made on Twitter in an argument between tech fans, or it might have been on Facebook. I can't remember, but the guy made a really and if I can rem- if I could remember his name, I'd I'd give him credit for it. The Texas Tech hasn't had a winning football season since 2015. That's six years ago. Can you name another fan base in the Big 12 that hasn't had a winning season since 2015 that still puts over 50,000 people in the seats? The answer is no, because there isn't one. So if you want to blame the fans... Let's take a long look in the mirror before that happens because there are still 50,000 people in the seats for pretty much, well, all the Big 12 home games and pretty much for a good majority of the other, uh, for the non-conference ones. You know, now it's personal, you know, pack the Jones. Well, okay, we're putting 50,000 plus. We haven't had a winning season since 2015. Where is
0: our reward for doing this? Exactly, because it's just tech, Lubbock, tech fans, they back winners. We're going to talk, and I I really hope we have time to get to this during our our basketball primer week, that bye week, um, to talk about some of the women's sports. But, you know, tech fans will show up to literally any sport that wins. They're at the soccer games. If volleyball was winning more, they'd go to the volleyball games too. Tech fans will back winners regardless. Football is the only sport that we give the benefit of the doubt to, and the reason why is we love football as a fan base. But they are desperate for a winner, and we're just not seeing it. And I like, believe, and Jack, I believe, if
1: I'm not mistaken, to just add on that real quick, I believe that you know when uh, Tech volleyball beat Baylor, number nine or whatever, in Waco uh the next game that we had at home against Iowa State I believe they reported their highest attendance of the
0: season so far yeah it's just they they tech fans will show up you just football's the only sport that they show up regardless really of the product in the field but I I have had enough with the fan with people saying it's everybody else's fault but the guy who makes two million dollars and this we're, we're we're basically gonna wind down here because me and Jack Talked about our expectations for the year, but the last thought I want to leave everybody with is a thought that I think is important to note. Because in that same comment, blaming the fans, there was another note to that, which is the idea that Tech can't go get a better coach. It's bullshit that they can't. No, Nick Saban's not coming to Lubbock. The only reason that would ever happen, to a guy like that, is he just really liked Lubbock, it, right? It'd have to be he he called, said, "Hey, I wouldn't mind coming down here." It's never going to happen. No, we should not hire anybody with the name Bryles. Just especially not Art Bryles. Anybody who's advocating for Art Bryles to come coach at Texas Tech, you can go you-know-what yourself because you're a bad person. But is Sonny Dykes going to turn down the Tech job because he just thinks Tech is just such a bad job? No, the only reason he turned down the Tech job is he really likes SMU and he likes Dallas. You know, like that's why he may not come to Lubbock. Is Jeff Traylor going to turn down Tech because it's you know such a bad job. no, but you know LSU could be opening at the same time and LSU's got multiple national titles. It, this is the kind of stuff I mean. Yes, tech may not get its first choice. And with Kirby Hokut, the first choice may be somebody terrible, but here's what everybody has to remember. Tech is paying coaches market rate with great facilities in what will be a Power 5 conference after realignment shakes out in Texas and OU leave. They will be able to hire a perfectly adequate coach. And here's the biggest thing. Even if they've got to go get some young up-and-comer instead of somebody who you might feel a bit more confident about because Cut likes who gives a shit states coach because somebody called him once 17 years ago and said, this guy might know something about coaching. Um, even if that's what has to happen, it's nothing Nothing about the coaching search is going to boil down to people just being like, Tech has a terrible job. When ESPN announcers said that during Texas, I've never been angrier listening to a play-by-play guy because it's just ignorant and wrong. You don't have to be a wizard to win here. You just have to be okay. Tupperville won here okay. I think we forget that. He won a couple games. If Cliff had ever managed a competent defense, he would have won eight or nine games, but he didn't like to recruit. You know, we don't need Mike Leach's neck, the the second coming of Mike Leach to win. That guy is out there. Iowa State's a worse job than Tech. SMU's a worse job than Tech. TCU's a worse job than Tech. Baylor's a worse job than Tech. You want to know what those schools all have in common? They found their guy. As much as I hate Gary Patterson, nobody else could do what Gary Patterson done at TCU. Nobody really could do that. What Dave Aranda is doing at Baylor is outstanding. What Matt Campbell's done is otherworldly. What Sonny Dykes is doing at SMU defies explanation. These are guys in competitive recruiting markets who are second-tier programs, or in the case of Baylor and TCU, they have an enemy right in their backyard. They're fighting off for recruits, and they've risen to the top in their tenures or have rebuilt their programs from the ashes. That guy's out there for tech. We just got to go find him. So keep the faith. I know the fans are tired. I'm tired. But I hope some of you are right there along with us. Like I said, stay tuned for at the end. We should have something from Kendall once his Wi-Fi is cooperating. But in the meantime, wreck him. Have a good night, everybody.